Hello everyone, Kirk here, and as you probably already know, we are taking the week off for the holidays, so instead of a new episode of Triple Click, we are bumping up one of our members-only bonus episodes from earlier in the year. Specifically, we're running our spoiler-filled conversation about HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us, which initially ran in March, shortly after the show's first season completed. Remember HBO? I remember HBO. Of course, if you like this bonus episode, also, if you like Triple Click, we hope that you'll consider becoming a member of Maximum Fun and supporting us and supporting Maximum Fun. You can do that at MaximumFun.org slash join, as we say every episode. And if you do that, you'll get an episode like this every month. And also, if you do that, you'll get all the bonus episodes that we have recorded since we started making this show now almost four years ago, which is crazy. So you'll get 44 bonus episodes counting this month's December's episode, which will be our long-awaited Beans cast on Baldur's Gate 3, which is very exciting. This year we talked about all kinds of things in the bonus feed. We debated the best October in video game history. We played a game of debatable live in person at Jason's house. We recorded spoilery thoughts on games like Tears of the Kingdom, Persona 5, and Spider-Man 2. Shows and movies like Succession, Her, x Machina, lots of good stuff. So go become a member, support our show, support sustainable creator-owned media that doesn't sell out and ruin itself at the first opportunity. Uh, where was I? Go to MaximumFun.org slash join to become a member. Thanks so much to all of our members for making this whole thing possible. Okay, that's enough from me. Thank you all for listening. And from all of us at Triple Click, we hope that you are having a happy holiday season. And we'll see you next week. We'll each share our top 10 games of the year. But for now, Let's talk about The Last of Us. Take it away, past hosts. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Dreyer. Hello. 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 It's us again. It is. And thank you to everybody listening to this for supporting our show. We really appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. You're, if you're hearing this when it went up, you're hearing this during Max Fun Drive. This is our bonus episode for Maximum Fun Drive. So it's even more special, even though you're probably it's listening so to this special. after Max Fun Drive. And then, you know, you're just a member. And also, thank you to people who are other Max Fun members who are listening to the show because they're like, hey, The Last of Us on HBO sounds pretty cool. I want to hear <laughs> mm-hmm. people talk about that. Yeah, hey, you could you could uh, listen to some more triple click content. You could it's even true, you could you could even yeah. add us to to one of the shows that you support on Maximum Fun if you enjoy this or not. You know, whatever, whatever or not, you want to no do. Pressure, you or know? Not, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Up to you. Not like the world will end. It's not like your decision. It's not like you're the, the only person in the entire world who has the power to do this, and it's all up to you. And if nope, anyone prevents nope. you from that. It would be unethical. Gosh, it is nice that we all we all live in a much uh, lower stakes world than the world of The Last of Us, which is which yeah. is pretty nice. For now, for now. <laughs> oh my god! So wow. it's yeah, man. It's funny that man. The book, the book I just read, The Ministry for the Future, is so different from The Last of Us. There's a lot of things that are interestingly different from The Last of Us that we will talk about. But anyways, that's what we're going to be talking about on this bonus episode. We're going to be talking about the HBO adaptation of the PlayStation video game, The Last of Us. And this is a beans cast, which means we'll be spilling the beans. We'll be doing it in a slightly controlled fashion. We're going to spill like a lot of the beans. Whoa, beans everywhere. But not all the beans from the jar. And those will be the beans of... I'm not going to use the beans metaphor. I'm just going to give a clear spoiler. (laughs) We're going to do spoilers for... Okay, so spoilers for the game, The Last of Us, and its expansion or DLC left behind, as well as the show, of course, 
full spoilers for season one of the show, the first game. That's what we're going to talk about for a while. We may allude to things in The Last of Us Part 2, the video game, but we won't really get into it. And then at some point, we'll talk a little bit more about The Last of Us Part 2 and specifically what may what it may mean to be adapting that for multiple TV series or seasons, it sounds like. So mm-hmm. we'll give a warning for that if you watch the show and maybe haven't played the game, haven't played the sequel, don't know what happens. That could be really cool. There's a lot of stuff that does happen in The Last of Us Part oh, Two yeah. that is like major, majorly spoilery. So we'll give you a warning before we get into any of those specifics. That'll be a little ways in. Uh, for now, though, we're going to talk about the show. So yeah, we all watched it. Um, so did the rest of the world. We just like live in the Last of Us world, where now it's, it's just crazy. like the biggest thing ever. See, that's why I said for beat? now, because we live in the Last of Us world. That's true. I guess at some point we could actually live in the Last of Us world. It's uh, fine. Cordyceps hasn't even come close to evolving to become no. that. But anything else could lead to it. I just want to say for a second, like to kind of break character slightly, it's so weird that just regular people in my life now debate the, what Joel does at the end of the last. I know. Episode. I'm like, I this know. is something that took over my brain, Cordyceps style in 2013. But that was just me. Like, I didn't have to have these conversations with people in my life who don't play and cover video right. games. Right. But now it's everywhere. Now, like, Dina's I mean, mom is it. like weighing in on what she thinks about what Joel did at the end of season one. It's been fun for me because um, it lets me talk some to people about video games in a way that I think is actually really interesting because Mm -hmm. I can specifically talk about some of those climactic moments and how different they were in the game because they were interactive and like explain to people like okay so you saw that story that was like a really (laughs) provocative interesting engaging story right and now imagine all these other layers on it and like you Mm -hmm. can kind of get a sense for what I dedicate a lot of hours of my life to and you know I'm not just like playing Fortnite over here like there is a lot of interesting stuff going on so that has actually been Sometimes stuff, we but... also just play Diablo 4. <laughs> nothing wrong, yes, there's nothing wrong with, with just clicking on, on things until they explode. But no, you're right. And and it was kind of fun to tell people like, oh, these are different aspects of the show that are in the game and what changes them. And I mean, we're about to get into it. I yeah. Each episode, I, I couldn't turn my brain off as a viewer. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember playing this part and oh, they changed that. It it was such a weird experience watching this show and just immediately yeah. knowing what was and wasn't different. I guess we're in the thick of it. We don't really have to do the thing where we go around. I mean, The Last of Us is so baked into the video game discourse DNA at this point that it's like hard to tease that all out. Um, I will say that I, I thought the show was generally really well done, more from an acting perspective than from a directing perspective. Like just looking at it, it kind of it looked fine a lot of the time. It looked like a video game adaptation. I don't mean that as a dig, really, because video games look great. I mean, The Last of Us looks really nice, mm-hmm. but it was more the performance. I just thought were really strong and I was I found the changes to be fascinating and mostly I was so caught up in the feeling of experiencing this story imagining all the people who were watching it experiencing it too and then trying to get my head around what it is about this story that is so compelling to so many people, to so many millions of people who watched it. And, you know, I came up with a lot of different answers. I mean, when you watch the show, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I get why people watch this. This is really entertaining and, like, you know, a really sort of provocative show in a lot of ways. But, yeah, I, I really thought that it was 
um, surprisingly, maybe unsurprisingly, I thought it was very successful overall. Mm. Yeah, I also thought it was fantastic. And I think it speaks to, I don't know, it speaks to a few things. But I think first and foremost, it speaks to just the story quality of The Last of Us, which, I mean, for all of our uh, kind of like <laughs> love for games and the storytelling that they have, I mean, not a lot of like cinematic style games have really lived up to The Last of Us, even in the last 10 years when it comes to like being able to tell a nuanced, complicated, interesting, thought-provoking story. And I think video game storytelling is actually um, way better at other things, like the kind of mystery-solving, deductive stuff, like interactive stuff, um, Mm -hmm. environmental storytelling, Elden Ring style story, like a lot of the stuff that we've talked about on our show. Cooperative storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Cooperative, systemic storytelling. Like, hey, man, you'll never believe what I just did in Breath of the Wild. That Mm -hmm. sort of stuff is what video games are generally good at. The Last of Us, it felt like, and I've seen this point floating around the internet, it felt like it was designed from the beginning to be a cinematic HBO-style right. show. Yeah, right. Specifically so, an HBO exactly. drama. So, yeah. of course, it works as an HBO drama. Still, putting that aside, I thought the show was phenomenal. I thought that, like, the performances were really... Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's... Um, it's really a testament to the directors, both the casting directors and the director directors, that they were able to get such incredible performances yeah. out of pretty much every character on the show. There isn't a single weak link. I should say I had that thought when I was saying like about the directing. Like it was like the camera stylistic work is the thing I was talking about, where actually it is correct. It is like the directors did a great job with the yeah. cast. And getting a lot out of them. Yeah, I mean, it, it works differently on every show, obviously. But yeah, yeah, that's like DP cinematography stuff is what you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, the show just, it just really worked. It's just like, I mean, The Last of Us works. It, it just is, breaks up nicely as a show. Every single episode is, it's it's really true to the game. For people who haven't played the game, it is almost identical other than like a few additions. Um, and we could talk a little bit about what is kind of missing from the game in the show, which is an interesting topic. But the, the overall points, and really down to even the specific stories from the very beginning with Tess to the very end with David and then the hospital stuff. That's all straight out of the game. Um, if you haven't played the game, you should know that there are approximately 10 times as many, hey, you see that ladder? Let me give you a boost to get up there type <laughs> moments in the game. And mm-hmm. the show, including a couple of those, is kind of like a fun gimmicky like uh, wink at people who played the game and have played other Naughty Dog games because that is very much a trope in those games. Um, but yeah, I came away just incredibly impressed and was texting friends and family who don't play games and be like, hey, if you haven't, you should watch this show because it's really good. Did you two watch it with your partners who I assume both have also not played the game? Because I no. Emily was I did not, not on board. because, yeah, my wife is in, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, I guess it's fitting for a Naughty Dog production. My wife has been in crunch mode with her job for the past few weeks. Oh, so unfortunately, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not able to watch it. Emily her. just doesn't like stuff that's like really like intensely emotional and also just, you know, kind of has a lot of tragedy and loss. Yeah, Dina has such a stronger stomach than I do and watches so much violent true crime and non-true crime stuff that I can't stomach. So she was fine (laughs) with every single aspect of this (laughs) show in ways that I wasn't. So we watched all of it together and her mother watched all of it, which I thought was fascinating because Dina plays games at this point and also actually saw me play a lot of The Last of Us Part 2 when I was reviewing it. That was 
<laughs> you know, a thousand years ago, <laughs> relatively Which... early in our relationship in comparison feels like another life. But she unfortunately was like spoiled on some of the show just from remembering things in part sure. two, which was kind of funny. Uh, but Dina's mom, I thought had a really fascinating perspective on it as a normie, a non-gamer. And I was just like, well, don't you notice like all these slow, long shots where they're just walking down a hallway and and all these moments that to me are like, this is like traversal in a video game or like the moment when there's like a truck in front of a tunnel and it's like, oh, how are we going to get around? Like, did that scan is weird to you? Like to me, those moments felt so video game. And she was just like, well, yeah, so like I just I was really impressed by how much video game lexicon has entered into every other form of media that like an older woman was just like, yeah, I totally recognize those as video game mechanics, but it didn't stop me from enjoying the show and picking up exactly what the plot was putting down. And I just still really enjoyed it as a story and took it as being based on a game, just the same way that I watch a lot of movies based on comic books. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm stupid for yeah. assuming you would have some huge problem understanding this. Well, also, I mean, the three of us <laughs> have talked a lot about logistics in TV shows. Yes. And Game of Thrones really set the tone for, like, making people want to watch shows about, about like, how logistics. people get yeah. places and the obstacles they encounter along the way. And this is very much, I mean, it's, it's also in, the, in the, show. This, this show is, and the last of us in general is based on Cormac McCarthy and the road and a lot of just yep. kind of like wandering and obstacles that you face on your on your various road trips. I mean, the road trip story is kind of the great American, one of the great, great American fictional tropes. Mm -hmm. So um, not, I wouldn't even say, I mean, I don't know, maybe there are video game tropes in there too, but a lot of that stuff, I think, especially the wandering part, like shots of people traveling, I think that's mm -hmm. that's pretty common. Yeah, I thought it was surprisingly effective for people who didn't play the game, even though as a person who did, I was distracted the entire time. And Dina was very patient about me being like, OK, uh -huh. so in the video game, you're actually playing as Sarah for the entire opening. And it was really interesting at the time because you're like this vulnerable young girl. And then you have to experience getting killed. And then the perspective shifts. And she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm Well, actually, that's, well, she that's, that's, that's one of the things. It was almost well, yes, shot for shot. But I, I mean, what how... you're talking about, you don't have to do the nerdy voice because I actually think that that's one thing that is missing from the show, not the Sarah part so much as the alley well, part. Well, the Sarah part is effective. When you're in the backseat yeah, of the car sure. and you're like looking oh, yeah. around out the window. But that's pretty, not, no, the point is not stuff. what's effective and what isn't. The point is that like you are missing because a TV show is switching point of views constantly. When you're with Joel for 10, 15 hours and then suddenly you switch to Ellie, it yes. has a very significant like impact on the storytelling. Um, whether or not it's emotionally effective, it just changes things in the same way that the second game changes things when it does its own POV shift. So I think that that is one thing that TV shows cannot do because they're always switching perspectives anyway. Mm -hmm. well, I agree. Yeah, like and I, I think part of why it's so effective actually is because you play as Sarah at the very beginning, because you're reminded of that moment when you're Sarah, or at least I was, because this was a time period where playing as a female character, especially yeah. a young girl, was pretty rare. I mean, 2013, a lot has actually changed in 20 years. So I remember being ten, so ten excited, 10 years, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what time is. I know. None of us do. The, the cordyceps fine. happened. It's been 20 years, guys. <laughs> Bush was president. Anyway, 10 years. Uh, so I remember it being a really big deal that you could play as this little girl at the beginning and then to have that control once again as Ellie later in the game, except she's such a badass in that moment. Like she can shoot. She has 
all these abilities, she's also kidnapped in that moment and has to fight off an attacker, just as she does on the show, a pedophile attacker. Uh, yeah. And I, I was just really fascinated by those moments and what they say about like control and how Joel sees Ellie and how you, the player, are invited to inhabit Ellie in that moment and have see her as kind of a person in those moments and then to have that control taken away at the end is so much more heartbreaking and effective because you've had those moments of actually getting to inhabit both Joel's actual bio daughter and his, I would say, just his actual surrogate daughter in those two moments. Like those are moments that the show can't similarly create. It just, I mean, it can, I guess. People I'm sure still cry. Yeah, player agency and character agency and that whole, yeah, it's interesting stuff. So we're moving on, we're moving on to particulars, but I'm curious just to kind of ground us a little bit. Natty, you don't have to do a like thumbs up or thumbs down, but I am curious your take on this show. Like what is, well, because you're kind of dodging around it. I feel like you're critical of it or you don't love it and that's fine, but I'm, I'm curious, like what is your general take on the show? I mean, you guys know, I, I thought, I thought The Last of Us was fine when I played it the first time. I wasn't as into it as everybody else. I have a lot of trouble relating to dad's stories. I just always have, for whatever reason, it's just a storytelling maneuver that just doesn't get me in the guts in the way that it does for a lot of other people, which, you know, I cry at commercials with kittens in them. So it's not to say I like don't have the ability to sob at at things that are designed to prey upon my emotions. But usually like the dad is a tough guy and then realizes he has feelings in certain circumstances thing just doesn't always work for me. And um, there's a lot of that in The Last of Us, the game and the show. But... It doesn't mean I don't get intellectually what's effective about it. And I can still enjoy it on that level. Even if I'm like, okay, this isn't for me. It's like if you eat a dish that isn't your favorite, but you can still recognize when it's made very well. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's say it's, I I have a, I have the, the auteur's respect for (laughs) the last of us. (laughs) Uh, I, I have something like that. And I, I understand what it's trying to do and and also and I won't I won't spoil it but I will say that my disappointments about the last of us part 2 have also retroactively made it harder for me to even feel that good about the things I liked about the last of us which I know isn't a problem that everybody else has but I just had such high hopes for where the story could go putting you in Ellie's shoes at the after that ending that now at least we can all agree that ending is like so charged emotionally and it's like come on let's 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 get this like conversation between these two like what is gonna happen there well i mean okay we'll get into that because i actually (laughs) think but you know what i'm saying no i know but like i my take at the time and i think i still have this take is that they should have just ended it that that ending and the ambiguity of it is is a perfect ending i kind of wanted them to continue it because i had some ideas in my head of what i wanted to happen but now i also retroactively i'm like they should have just left it there. <laughs> so okay, so I'm really going to avoid the ending for now. We're gonna I'm gonna pull us yeah, back yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Let's go back to the beginning of of the show itself and how it begins because I think right from the start of the show, it is it feels very different from the game. It um it starts with all this world stuff, the news, and episode two begins with another flashback to a fungus expert who you know sort of mm-hmm. tells us how screwed we are. Scientist character. It's very World War Z. The book. If either of you have read that book. Oh, I've read that book. I love that book. Oh, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know you'd read that book. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. I love that book. That's it's like one cool of the book. best apocalypse books. When you were talking me. about the Kim Stanley Robinson mm. book, it sounded like very you similar know, to World yeah, War Z they're not dissimilar. They're not. They're very 
very different, in, obviously, in a lot of particular ways, but structurally, they're a little bit similar. And they're mm-hmm. kind of appealing in that same way where you do get a kind of global view, which this show gives. And I think that mm-hmm. that is interesting. Like, that, it immediately demonstrates something the show can do that the game can't, that, as you said, Jason, also is something that uh, sort of sh- uh, kneecaps, what's the term? That's very violent. Um, it sort of, <laughs> it sort of makes it less effective when it, when it moves to entirely Ellie's perspective for a couple episodes in a flashback, which is kind of the closest they can come to making Ellie playable in the later acts. Yeah. Like it's not as effective because they've been shifting perspectives already so much. Where if the, show, the show could have done the like, I don't know if it's Children of Men or whatever. T- there are TV shows who will do <laughs> yeah, like, Ensemble Steady cast. cam on a single person. Yeah. Or they'll do, oh, The Leftovers is a good example. Where The Leftovers season one does, um, a, it's like an ensemble show, ensemble show through and through. And then there's one episode that's entirely about Nora, right? That's her name. Um, Carrie Coon's character. Is that right? Is that her name? Carrie Coon's character. And it's yes. just her. And the whole episode is just her going to this conference in New York. And so by changing formats, it's this striking move and you're totally shaken up. And then you experience this. You have this whole experience alongside her. Like that's mm-hmm. the, the way a show would do what the game does where it's like, oh, and now you're playing as Ellie and it's this big deal. The yep. show doesn't do that because it starts by shifting the perspective immediately. And we'll get into the Bill stuff because that's a huge departure, both structurally and narratively. I think it amazing episode and a big improvement but even from the beginning oh, yeah. they're doing I would it say, my personal favorite episode which I can't believe oh, yeah. I'm saying because heading into the show I was like Left Behind is going to be my favorite episode because Left Behind is my favorite Last of Us piece of content ever I think it's really well done uh, yeah. but episode I think it's my great. favorite thing Naughty Dog's ever made yeah. Yeah. Well, we can kind of, kind of. So that first act. Let's get into that, and also the um, long, long time, the episode about Bill and Frank, and their the, their long relationship. Like all of that is kind of of a piece with this this change, this sort of structural perspective change. So yeah, I'm curious just what the two of you thought of of that from the very beginning of just how immediately different it felt. Yeah, so there are a couple of practical change or kind of practical differences between games and uh, shows that are worth unpacking here. Is remote control or a (laughs) (laughs) well, actually, that's one of them, legitimately, because no, I know when you feel uh, when you have to actually engage in Ellie killing someone and killing David with the machete, um, the way she does at the end of the show, that feels a lot different as a kind of the the audience member in like kind of watching this all unfold it feels a lot different when you are pressing the button and doing it than Mm -hmm. it does when you are watching with a remote and just kind of like sitting there munching on popcorn as it happens in front of you (laughs) not that both can't be harrowing but one is differently harrowing than the other is and the other thing is that games just because of the nature of how they are made it is a lot more difficult to construct new and unique scenes that won't be shown again or won't won't, will have things that won't be shown again such as um the uh that opening section section that's like the conference room where they're talking about the fungus or like Like the tv lady the fungus doctor lady and like all the other kind of like unique little moments that in a game a producer would be looking at the schedule and the budget and be like man we can't afford to just like create this entire thing which will I mean, take us maybe naughty dog they're like the one of the only studios that w- a rock star they like do do that kind of well stuff. even even naughty dog well even naughty dog they do do that but it's only for specific yeah. things and like mm-hmm. you can only fit a couple of those per game in the yeah, last no, your of point totally case, stands just you have yeah. that prologue section and they could get away with doing that so for 
example, in, in the game The Last of Us, it shows you that whole section of Sarah and Joel before the world explodes and yep. the car sequence and all that stuff. And that is so expensive to make that you really can't do more than one or two of those in a game. And Naughty Dog does do those in pretty much every game. They do one or two of those, mm-hmm. usually at the end of a game where it'll be like totally right. new You're thing. Yeah. Or like the before. giraffe sequence, which is also in the show and hmm. is like a notable part of the well, game. Well, that, that's, no, that's not what I'm talking about because that, you you model some giraffes and you play yeah, around that's with easy. the cinematics. What am I saying? Well, it's not that it's easy. What I'm talking about is specifically constructing an entirely new set that you will never use again in the game. Whereas the giraffes were, were kind of a part of a section that is like using some of the same environments and some of the same that's post-apocalyptic true. stuff that you're yeah. seeing elsewhere. I'm talking about totally unique set pieces. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, point being that with an HBO show, you can explore a lot of more of that stuff and um, kind of deliberately choose to make it feel more ensemble. Like the whole Bill and Frank section is also a good example of that because it's a whole, just kind of whole ass episode that is just like totally unique stuff and these characters that you never are going to see again in the game. But the the show can really take the time and explore that stuff. And I think it's, it's done to good effect in this because the whole question of like what you're willing to sacrifice, um, what we're kind of like, I mean, the show, the name of the show is The Last of Us. It kind of implies this kind of connection that you're making with someone when there are only two of you and nobody else is around you. And that's what the, the whole show is about. And so Bill and Frank is really good at just kind of like telling a micro, ver- like a microcosm version of that story that's self-contained in a single episode and exploring some of those same themes. So I think it's it's just done really well in, in mm-hmm. that sense. Yeah, I thought episode three... I mean, it's a great example of something that I wish the game had done, but some of that is also times changing. Like the game's version of them as characters was that these two characters were sort of implied to be gay and maybe attracted to each other. But by the time you find them, one of them's already dead and it's it's not ever spelled out and it's pretty unfulfilling and it's well the like relationship minor. had kind of soured yeah. to like Frank yeah, is very angry at Bill sort of they never yeah. it seems like they liked each other in a way but didn't really like each other also it's 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 not a very warm relationship right and I, I think there's like a letter from Frank that people really read into at the time mm-hmm. and I'm sympathetic to that God knows I've read into and things Bill is alive in the present day yes. in the sh- yeah. in the game it's yes. worth noting yeah. Barely and alive, like living in, for nothing, but yeah, alive. Right, which is so, a much more tragic version of his story. Yeah. And I think the rewrite for Eb 3 works a lot better with the larger themes of the show about found family and like the idea of finding somebody in this time where it seems almost impossible to and to like have that also be a queer relationship is really interesting because just statistically it's kind of harder to date as a queer person like you got to find somebody who's attracted mm-hmm. to you on top of <laughs> sure finding someone lucky. you can stand. Oh look hey there's an attractive gay man in <laughs> I my know. hole. I, I did, I did have that thought where I was like what are the chances of this Bill but it's like, also like what are the here. chances <laughs> of Joel happening upon this, this young woman who's the right. same age practically as his dead daughter that he's suddenly forced to take care of. I mean, that's just as coincidental and absurd when you think about it. And so I was kind of willing to go along with it. Plus it's a fictional show and I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's tugging at the heartstrings. So I really liked that as like, I like way... to think that there were like 10 others that were just attractive <laughs> men, but they were straight. And so he just killed yeah, them yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. You just killed those guys. <laughs> he was just waiting for one that set off his gaydar, which was like a separate device that Nick Offerman uh-huh, also had. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yep, yep. Anyway, uh, I really liked that. And it also just, 
I mean, aside from just the fact that I thought it was a well-written episode, and I, I do know there was some criticism from people being like, oh, you know, it's it sucks that these two gay characters have to die at the end. I don't really feel that way because this is a show where pretty much everybody dies. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I think don't, that's, I I think feel that's like a that's fair assessment. Just kind of how every episode rolls. And that can be a tough hang. Like, I, I get it if people are just like, I don't want to watch a show where everybody dies. Like, like Kirk's partner, for example. I think that's, that's valid. Not everybody has to engage with that. But if you're going to watch a show where everybody is on the brink of death at all times then having moments where they experience joy and having that be such a key part of why Joel saves Ellie, I think really works. And I think having episode three be written in such a way that that sense of joy and like believing in that is part of those characters arc. It just, it, it made a plot that I didn't go in liking that much work a lot better for me because that entire other analog episode was also there, if that makes sense. Like it actually mm -hmm. fleshed out the entire rest of the show for me in a way that I completely didn't expect and really applaud. Yeah, I I loved it as well. Um, part of it, I, I just have to say, is that Nick Offerman and uh, Murray Bartlett was the actor who played Frank were mm -hmm. just incredible. Like again, so good, perfect I mean, chemistry we, between them. Great, too. From, great from White on Lotus, of course. Yeah, on this show, yeah. yeah, from from the uh, from the White Lotus, and just like I mean, their scenes together, the scenes where there's just little things when he he gives him the plate of food and then he adjusts it a little bit yeah. so that it's set just right which is very built it's mm -hmm. Nick Offerman performing this role it's telling you so much about a character it's just like the kind of stuff that a great actor like him can do mm -hmm. and then you see it later like the passage of time I'm a yeah. sucker for any depiction of a relationship over time like I know. you know people who flash back to when they were young or flash forward to when they're old together like that stuff just wrecks me and that wrecked me in that episode. Um, mm -hmm. I really found it very affecting. And I also liked it because, because of the change um, and because it was so clever, which seems like a more shallow reason to like it, but it really wasn't. I was, um, I cried a few times watching this show. Of course, when Sarah dies, just like the oh, most yeah. emotionally brutal I thing. <laughs> I cry every time I see it in the game and it was even worse than the show and I was just like, she well, yeah, because then you have to watch Pedro Pascal cry. I know, like, and really I'm just like, I, how many times do I have to watch this girl die while her father like sobs? And anyways, so I was like fully crying, just being like, fuck I love, you, show. I love like, that I you two non-parents are just like, uh, just well, You know, if everywhere. you don't have kids, you don't care about kids dying That's you, true. you're not moved by <laughs> by seeing a human being suffering or, or dying Would, are you gonna say you didn't cry jason yeah i don't know no i didn't i didn't that's really funny <laughs> I well i i cried at that but, but anyways things, my, my, no. well the thing i'm talking about though is is this episode three and that i was kind of like a much more um i went into it with my heart a lot more hardened because i was like well okay frank's probably gonna die um then they're gonna meet bill you know it'll be like the game and then my my dawning realization of what was going to happen and what was happening when Bill reveals that he has put a, a deadly amount of, you know, whatever that medicine is into all of the wine. And that mm -hmm. and I thought first at first I was like, oh, he's just telling Frank that so that like Frank will just die. But then he's really going to live. But then I was like, oh, no, wait, he's really like this. They really are just both going to die together because he, when he's like, I'm old, man, like. We've had a good life. I'm done. I just, I don't want to be without you. I, like, I really was moved by that. And then his letter to Joel, which I as know. you pointed out, Maddie, beautifully underlines and emphasizes the ending. I mean, it like sets up the ending so much more strongly mm -hmm. I know. because of his presence. Hearing that, I was like, 
I wasn't I wasn't exactly like crying, being like, it's such good screenwriting. But I kind of was. <laughs> like I was like, fuck, that's really smart. Like that's a yes. way to take this minor thing and turn it into something that like really ties in with the overall theme. And I wonder I wonder what it was like for people who didn't know that's where it was going. Cause it was so partly affecting for me because I was like, oh God, like this is like the thematic underpinning of the entire ending of this show which yeah, winds super up helpful like, to know that right. when you mm-hmm. watch and if you yeah, didn't you might just think oh this is just like okay like he you know ellie really matters to him and not really see what that's setting up and the kind of horrible in some ways consequences of of that letter mm-hmm. mm. yeah i mean for dina she just was like that was a great episode i wish more of the show had those two guys in it <laughs> and i was like <laughs> I really oh, like well. them yeah <laughs> Yeah, but I think for her, it's tough because it's like she didn't know what the end of the show was going to be. So it wasn't like me hearing the letter read and being like, oh, my God, this is such a clever way to set up the ending, which I didn't want to spoil for her. So it was it was tough. I'm like, it's almost like it rewards a rewatch, which. Yeah, that's kind of I think that's really it. Yeah. It rewards a rewatch. So Mm -hmm. can I say moving moving out from the the Bill and Frank stuff? One other thing about these early episodes that I think was striking to me watching it, imagining kind of watching it for the first time and having never played the game is just how cool of an idea the cordyceps zombie fungus is. Mm-hmm. Like the show actually doesn't have a whole lot of clickers and fungus in it, which is probably fine cuz like the human stuff is more interesting. Which is great. And by the way, they've said that there's going to be more in yeah, the next season, which is well, yet another reason. Whatever, who knows what that means. Like but yes. But that notwithstanding, the it's such a cool idea. It was a cool idea when the game came out. I remember when I wrote, I was looking back, I reviewed the game in 2013, and I talked about, there was a Gizmodo post, or an io9 post, that, that uh, an old, a blog, a sort of sister blog to Kotaku, the site that we all wrote for, and it was um, a tarantula that had been infected by cordyceps, and it's the worst picture, one of the worst pictures I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's like a dead tarantula, bad enough, with, like, horrible white tendrils oh, coming this. out of it. Um, <laughs> oh, man, you're, yeah, like you're going to scream. Yeah, controlling its carcass. <laughs> Making well, it and it's walk. just dead, but it like just looks like a coral reef has grown out Ugh. of this thing. It's horrible. Yeah. So, anyways, um, and just talking about that and being like, "What a cool idea!" It's not <laughs> just it's a cool so, idea. yeah. There's yeah. Jason <laughs> is seeing it. Pretty horrible, right? Amazing. Um, it like has antlers or something. Ugh. So, anyways, watching the show and seeing them introduce this idea, and then seeing the way people react to it. There are articles. I saw some article that was like fungus. Like people who sell fungus around the world are now re- having people be like, oh, so what is this like the thing on The Last of Us? Is this going to take over my brain and kill me? Because yeah. now everyone's thinking about fungus. It just was striking to me all over again what a great idea it is for mm-hmm. zombies to be this like weird networked fungal growth and just how gnarly and cool and, and fun it is. It's scarier in this because the whole premise is that like, well, this couldn't happen to humans unless the world was a couple degrees warmer, which is of course <laughs> extremely scary right, today. Right. But that's not in the game doesn't set yeah, it the up game doesn't that way. No, there that are some out. changes to it. There's also the whole idea of the mycelial network, which is a really cool thing. I learned about it right. in Michael Pollan's book about psychedelics, but that there is this huge network of fungus. Like the whole Pacific Northwest where I live right now, like they're listening to us right uh-huh, now. They're aware uh-huh. that we're talking about them because yeah. there is like a crazy like internet of fungus that just connects huge parts of the world and the idea of the the zombies or whatever you want to call them the infected are all connected to one another so if you kill one you alert the entire you know fungal growth that's going through whatever building you're in is also yeah. cool and different from the game 
And not something they capitalized on nearly enough in the show, in my opinion. Like, they introduced that in episode two, which then caused Dina to say in, like, every other episode where there was ever a zombie, she was like, oh, they're going to bring in the others. And then that never happened. Right, it happened like once. I mean, this is is also what happens if you watch a show with an environmental biologist. So, like, when we got to the Left Behind episode, (laughs) she was like, okay, so how does this infected person eat the entire time? Because they've been underground in the mall with, like, no sunlight, no no Mm -hmm. access to any form of food. food What are they eating? And I was like... Yeah, listen, I can't I, talk I'm pretty to you about sure this. I saw a subway. There was a subway. The Great American Cookie Company. Well, but it's like, what do the infected eat? You know, no, like fair, you just fair. can't think about it. You don't want to yeah. think about it. Why is it a bloodborne virus? Why is it spread by biting? Again, better not to yeah. consider these these questions. But these were things Dina asked me that I had no answer for, and I was like, listen, just enjoy the show. <laughs> right? They make changes, like they removed the spores so yeah. that Peter Pascal wouldn't have to wear a gas mask all the time, which is also like fair which enough. Which is kind of too oh, bad because I feel like. The spores make more sense in some ways for a fungus. Right. Is it because of, wait, it's because of Mandalorian? Yeah, it's because you are this beautiful guy with this amazing face, like, is already wearing a helmet in his other show, and, like, now we're going to make him wear a gas (laughs) mask in this one. Just wouldn't be fair to the rest of us who want to look at Pedro Pascal. Yeah, I know. That's the reason they changed it, but I think really, I'm. I don't know if it is, but it would make sense. But yeah, I mean, so they made these changes, but then because they really are very faithful to the game, there yes. just aren't that many opportunities for them to be like, well, in this scene, there's kind of just an infected and they have to kill it. Like it can't trigger a, a horde because that's <laughs> not what happens. Right. <laughs> right. Even though it's yeah. a cool idea. And the, yeah. The one thing missing from the show is like the boss in the game. There's like one, right? Or one. Well, that thing does turn up that, in that, oh, in that moment. It does. Yeah. In the scene but, where Melanie but, Linsky's character dies. Right. That's true. But you don't have to actually have to fight Let's let's actually okay. Let's let's move on to this next act, which takes place after um, mm-hmm. the the Bill and Frank chapters, where they go mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. wait. Is it Pittsburgh? Are they in Pittsburgh? No, they're not Kansas in Pittsburgh. No, so it's, in the game. It's in the Kansas game, City. it's Pittsburgh. They changed it to Kansas City, it's Kansas City for the show, but it so doesn't really matter. It it's, it doesn't really make a big difference unless you know Kansas City and watched it, and we're like, oh yeah, it's the old. The old Kansas City building. My right. It was just probably easy logistically. Easy I mean, logistically. the Boston sets weren't accurate, so I'm going to assume the Kansas ones weren't either. I- <laughs> Look, a lot changed after the end of the world. There was a bombing. Yeah, I, it years. suddenly looked a lot like Canada. I don't know why, but everything looked almost a lot like Northern America. By the way, quick, quick tangent is that I think if they were, if people were really living in the United States for 20 years, like that long, I think they would have found a way to clean some of those cars off the roads, clean up some, clean up at least a couple nope. more things in there. Nope. Going to be covered in dust. Well, in Kansas City, I there. guess it is. It is all apocalyptic. <laughs> just in rubble general. Because just in the general. idea in Kansas City is that they rose up against Fedra and killed them all. And there was kind of recently mm-hmm. a war there. So mm-hmm. maybe it would make so sense no that they wouldn't have the cleaned Jason. up. Yeah. 20 years. 20 <laughs> years is a long time. Uh, 20 years is one of those things where, you know, I, I really need to take out, to like clean up the attic. Uh, all right, it's been 20 years. Really, <laughs> I don't have a lot really going on. There's no TV done. anymore. I don't uh-huh, have a smartphone. Uh-huh. I may exactly. as well put that car into neutral and move it. Exactly. <laughs> so there's not a lot. I don't know. The, these middle chapters are not like the strongest part of the story, I would say. No, I want to talk about the ending. <laughs> I felt like Melanie Linsky was a little bit wasted. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really. I like the idea of her being in more things. It's fun to just have her be this kind of pissed off lady who's killing people. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, the the whole thing with um, Sam and Henry. Henry, yeah. 
in the game is a much it's like the strongest relationship that's depicted because Left Behind wasn't in the game originally and because the Bill mm-hmm. and Frank stuff and also the Frank and Bill yes uh, yeah. the Bill and the Bill and Frank stuff also like isn't really established so you kind of get a little bit of it but then you really see Henry and Sam you really get a sense of their relationship you see what happens when Sam turns Henry kills him immediately realizes what he's done and kills himself it's really horrifying yeah. it's a very effective and prestige part of the game where um uh, Henry shoots himself. It cuts to black immediately. You don't even see it happen. You just hear Joel yell, no, it's really horrifying. It cuts to black, and then it's just like fade up on. They're in a completely different part of the country, and it just says mm-hmm. winter, if I'm remembering correctly. Or it's yes, like two which, months later which, or something. It, it's worth noting that that's one of those things that has made this translation so easy, is that the game doesn't really concern itself with a lot of that. Down, like, has a lot of downtime that you never see, yeah. never play. Has a lot of moments that w- are make for perfect episode endings, right. Because mm-hmm. in the game, they are perfect episode endings. Though in the They're game, cousins, you're like, your yeah. plan is Joel after that cut, and he's still only got three bullets in his revolver. And you're like, dude, you couldn't have picked up some bullets <laughs> yeah, like in the yeah. months it in between this? Some mechanical, some point, like, some the exact same amount of stuff. I was running yeah. out of stuff before this. For no, but sure. yes, uh, you're you're totally right. I think that is. I think that's true. So yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this. I think that the big se- the big set piece at the end um, was pretty cool. Like where all the zombies come out of nowhere. That was an addition. Mm-hmm. It was a change. Well, that, well, that in the game is extremely memorable as having to get to that sniper, which is pretty yes. easily yeah. quickly done in the show. But like in the game, exactly. That's one of those things. To their benefit. There's really just the one stealth sequence against the clicker where they like, I think they literally throw a brick or something to distract it. And I was like, okay, I can't watch this anymore. And <laughs> no, then they don't, you don't do that anymore. See anymore where in the game, it is very engaging when you're hiding from a sniper, but mm-hmm. then having the showdown with, you know, with Melanie Linsky's group, Kathleen's group, and then the massive uprising of infected with the big beefer dude, whatever those guys are called coming and like ripping everything apart. That was like, Pretty cool. That was pretty fun. Yeah, um, in the game, that big beefer dude is somewhere else. Is like a yeah, boss he's like fight, in a gymnasium. Not right? important. Don't you find him yeah, in a gymnasium yeah, yeah. of a school. Yeah, yeah that's a, a different sequence. But I, I don't have a ton to say. Do any of you have anything more to say about that that section? No, I'm, I'm kind of I, I'm really eager to talk about the ending. Actually, <laughs> okay. No, not well, yet. we're not quite there yet. Um, <laughs> so hold your horses, Jason Schreier. We okay. got to talk about um, Left Behind. We got to talk about yes, Left Jackson. Behind. So after that period, they get to Jackson, which is a new addition because it's like taken from the second game. That is mm-hmm. something that you just see more of in the sequel. You really get yeah. a sense of Jackson. I'm going to say, and I'll throw it to the two of you, that I think the addition of Jackson is cool only because Jackson is a functional, equitable, safe society. And that was a very cool thing in this in the second game as well. And it's implied in the first game. You get there, you know that Tommy's living there, but you don't really see it. And I think that it really helped the show overall to show, yeah, some people are just like making it work. Like they're living together peacefully. Like they, they just want to survive and have nice lives. It isn't the thing of The Walking Dead or, or the thing implied by Kansas City where it's like everyone's a militia who's just like brutally murdering people and they're all like out in their crazy, you know, Mad Max mobiles. Like there are just people who are living normal lives and I like seeing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. the only narrative difference is that I guess in Last of Us Part 2, um, and this is at the very beginning, so it's not a spoiler if you're curious, but I guess it's implied that Joel and Ellie participated in building this into the commune that it was. So I guess that's taken away, but it doesn't really matter. No, yeah. not really. And I, I did like the idea that there is some tension between um, Tommy 
and Joel here that's illustrated more effectively in these scenes, I would say, where yeah. it's, it's just spelled out more that Tommy stops talking to Joel and becomes part of this more functional family and also society because he's left that life behind. But also that's a tragic decision for him to make. And it's not necessarily one that guaranteed Joel would come out of the funk he was in and, you know, work on his PTSD and become a more functional person, which one could argue he doesn't actually do in this show right. or the game. Wow, but nonetheless, I mean, he finds Tommy and, and sort of presents himself as healthy enough to like have those conversations and be like, I'm having PTSD episodes. I'm having all these problems. I mean, I just felt like that was a lot more cleverly done in the show. And, yeah, and again, I mean, is an example of like this person left, had a new family and figured things out in this world and proves to Joel that it's possible. And like, that's kind of established repeatedly. Yeah. I think that scene, the one you're talking about, Joel saying I'm failing in my sleep when he, yeah. he goes, he gives this monologue. It's when he tries to hand Ellie off to Tommy and he's like, you mm -hmm. take her, like, I'm going to screw this up and I can't lose another daughter. That was like one of another one of the great changes and an incredible yeah. scene. I mean, that was Pedro That's Pascal. That's like Pedro at his, at his Knocking height. it out. Like that was him being like, this is why you hired me. This yep. is why this, and that, and that was them, all the, the writers and creators of the show understanding what they had and being like, we have this guy who can do this thing and, mm -hmm. um, and give you just this view into him as this, yeah, really broken, really tragic person. But man, that was a great scene. So yeah. agree that I think that that sequence is much stronger for having that scene in it uh, and, mm -hmm. and more interesting too. We made it as far as KC and then, you know, she saved my life there from another kid. Five years ago, I would have destroyed him. But she had to shoot him to save me, 14 years old. Because I was too slow and too fucking deaf to hear him coming. And that's all. I saw a man kill his own brother to save her while I just watched. And today I thought that dog was going to tear her apart because it smelled something on her. And all I did was stand there. I couldn't move. I couldn't think of anything to say. I just... I was so afraid. You think I can still handle things, but... I'm not who I was. I'm weak. Lately, there are these moments where the fear comes up out of nowhere, and... my heart... feels like it stopped. And I have dreams. Every night. What kind of dreams? I don't know. I can't remember. I just know that when I wake up, I've lost something. I'm failing in my sleep. It's all I do. It's all I've ever done. It's failure. 
Yeah. Well, so in Last of Us One, I was just looking this up to to remember a hundred percent. The commune is there. They have built the settlement. I guess it's a little bit more. You're like on a dam, though, right? Too. Like you don't. Yeah. Really well, see... you have to like fix the dam. Yeah. You don't see a lot of the actual visuals of it. You don't yeah. see until Last of Us Two. Anyway, not important. What is more important, the big big difference that will be explored in future uh, seasons is that in the show, um, Tommy's wife is pregnant, and that is mm-hmm. not the case in the game so i guess we'll see what happens there with tommy and maria and their future child we'll see what the deal is that but Mm, other than that yeah i think pretty pretty straightforward stuff um in that section of the show yeah i also we haven't brought this up but like the fact that the show just makes the decision to be significantly more racially diverse is a very welcome change to me because it's just like nice to see a version of the future even a post-apocalyptic future where people are living equitably and also brown and black people survived. Like it just, I mean, especially mm. given that we had just experienced like this, the Henry and Sam storyline, two significant black characters from the game. They were black in the game. They die notably. That was criticized at the time. And like, it's just nice that the show is like, let's not make those the only black characters yeah, here. You- <laughs> You know, specific. So specifically, Maria is yes. turned to black in the show and is yep. white in the game. Specifically, Maria mm-hmm. and like Pedro Pascal. Well, yeah, and also Sarah is yes, and Sarah she has darker skin and right. Mm-hmm. It feels like a carry on from The Last of Us Part Two, which was also a much more racially yeah, diverse scheme than The Last of Us Part One because you know it was made many years later, and I think they were they had changed their approach and were like, yeah, let's like make this a more diverse game. So. Watching the show now just feels like a carry on from that, which I agree is is very mm-hmm. cool to see. Um, let's keep going. There's like kind of before we get to the editing, we're almost there, Jason. Almost. I promise. <laughs> we got to do, um, do some cannibalism. We got to talk about David and we got to talk about the cannibals. We got to talk about Left Behind. Um, both of those sequences are cool. They're kind of interrelated. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to tackle it. What do you want to talk about first? Left Behind? Cannibals? I mean, we can talk about Left Behind. I, I like <laughs> Left Behind a lot. <laughs> I think my only thing about it that I was a little sad about was that there was just the one zombie at the end because I went back mm. and rewatched this in the game and the way that Ellie and Riley finally get bit, they both get bit and they you know stick together and it's implied that Ellie shoots Riley. And I like that they didn't show that in the show yes, or the game and instead just have you learn it later. I think that's very effective. And I was really relieved that they didn't make us watch it. Her name was Riley and she was the first to die. Like that line mm-hmm, really mm-hmm, matters. Mm-hmm. It's a good line and it yeah. needs to be telling you something that you didn't see. Yeah, especially because you already know, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so but I, I like how in the game it's these two teen girls who believe themselves to be such badasses that they're willing to go to this location that they know has a lot of zombies in it and they just don't care because they kind of see themselves as immortal and like that's a date night for them and in the game that's just kind of their attitude and then they get overwhelmed and in those final moments there's ton there's like multiple zombies like there's kind of like a chain mm-hmm. reaction and a series of moments where Ellie then gets bitten and Riley's fighting off that zombie and Ellie saves Riley from the other zombie that bites her like they each get a savior moment with separate interactions you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. clear that like they're just overwhelmed and they didn't expect this to go so badly whereas in the show there's just one zombie they think there will be zero and they are two armed people but they can't manage to fight it off and i just found that less believable and a little odd Mm -hmm. two armed people and trained soldiers yeah trained soldiers 
significantly yeah. trained. I just, I thought it kind of lost some of the messaging of the sort of like, we're teens, we're going to live forever. It's all going to mm -hmm. be fine. And then suddenly both of them are looking down at bite marks on their arms and they're like, oh, we're dead. We're both dead yeah. now. Like that was I so much more I hadn't effective. realized that because I never played Left Behind, but that's an astute, yeah. an astute point. So there's also the, one of the reasons that I think Left Behind is one of the best things Naughty Dog has ever made. There's There are interactive sequences in uh, Left Behind that are just... They can only be done in a game and are really incredible. There's this fighting game sequence in particular yes. that's just absolutely beautiful that recurs in The Last of Us Part II um, in a different context, but uh, in the sort of spaceship sequence. But mm -hmm. it's the same idea where, like, you just watch Ellie as she plays. Well, they want to play. Is it a Savage Starlight game or is it? I mean, it's what's Mortal Kombat. Yeah. In the show, they find Mortal Kombat 2 and they just play it. Where if I'm remembering correctly in the game, they go to play it and then the power cuts or the, the thing stops working. So mm -hmm. then Riley describes to Ellie what the game is like. And then you just it just sits on Ellie's face and she's playing and Riley's like, oh, like you're, you know, he's coming at you. Like you gotta, you gotta fight him. And like, and Ellie's like, first she's kind of like, this is stupid. And then she starts getting into it. And then like, you see the lights of the screen, like start reflecting on her face. It's like really wonderful. It's like really intimate between the two of them. It's just, just like really incredible thing that you're kind of interacting with, like you're playing it in the game. And of course it's also about someone playing a video game. Yeah. So there's, there is some stuff like that that just is really special in the game version of this that wasn't in the show version. I don't know how they could have done it. I was hoping there'd be some kind of a nod to it just because it's like a really special moment in that game. I still think about it and remember it. But you know, it's okay for the game to have some things that are that are just for the game too, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sure. I did like that they kept a lot of similar lines, like the mm -hmm. one about them both going crazy together. I just remembered yeah. for some reason and then It's a memorable like, line. It's a good line. Yeah. I I don't know. There were things like that that I really appreciated them keeping and yeah. largely really dug that episode. Um, but yeah, we can move on to the cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, we can move on. And yeah, there really are a lot of those a lot of those shot for shot sequences that are yes. generally pretty strong and underline how unusually strong like a lot of the writing and and um, just the sort of pacing conversational pacing of the original game was. So yeah, now we get to David and the cannibals. Good old David, man! What a performance by whoever by that guy. What's um, his name? What's yeah, his name? I'm remember. Scott, Scott Shepard. Oh, his name is Shepard. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a creep. Good Lord. So my take on this sequence um, was that I think it actually is the one part of the show that I think they could have had a little bit more time with. Like, I, I, I think that maybe this arc would have worked better over a couple of episodes. It's the only time I feel that, and I'm not totally sure it would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't have. I generally really appreciate how the show is just like, all killer, no filler. Like, we are not wasting time with, like, banded outposts. We're not wasting time with bullshit. It's like, people die fast. They come on, they do their thing, they die. They keep moving. Like, the story goes through. We got nine episodes. We're going to tell no this whole story. No time for collectibles. No time right. for finding secrets. We got a hospital secrets. to get to, people. In we this got a to In this one case, I think that the, I just wanted a little more time with him before the turn. There's this moment halfway through the episode where he's talking to the girl in the in the like dining hall and he gets mm -hmm. up and he hits her and yep. you're like whoa okay like so this dude is like fully bad oh my god like because up until then he's sinister but he's kind of like 
it's a little ambiguous. And then the the mask is off and you're like, okay. And then he's like a fucking cannibal pedophile. And like, <laughs> he's like the yeah, worst which, ever. Do you really have to be both a cannibal and a pedophile? Yeah, you can't just pick much, one. Agree no? that I think, I think maybe we all agree just based on the way we're talking about it. That I think the pedophile, the pedophile stuff is like a bridge too. It's too much, like too much mustard the on the sandwich too, or whatever. So I, it was one of the things no, that I was like, I wouldn't be mad if they changed this, but. It's more subtle in the game if I'm remembering it's correctly. It's like, why not just want to eat her? Maybe if he just wanted to cook her and just serve or her Or even up, like, yeah, get her to, to join him and like yeah, be like, a weird maybe daughter to him. Yeah, maybe like, child bride, I just but he say, also wants yeah. to eat his child bride. It just or, right, or if it was much. just it's, pedophilia and not cannibalism. Guys, this is, this is perfect because uh, Passover starts next week. And on right. Passover, there's a Jewish song called Dayenu. It Translation is, oh, yes. it would have been enough. It would have been enough. I remember this from Alan Steppenwall's TV recaps. The song is about how like... If you had if you had rescued us from the desert from the Egyptians, but not right. saved us from the desert, would have been enough. If you had saved us from the desert, but not given us this food to eat, it would have been enough. Yep. Um, that is that is essentially what we're talking about here, David. Yes, yes. If they had been cannibals, that would have been enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I kind of do think that though. Like I feel like also in the game, the pedophile yeah. aspect was like not noticed by many was, people. Like it was, it was very was, subtle. If I it was recall. very subtle. It's just it he was touches just like, her hand and it's, yeah. but there's also like a line he says something. I don't remember exactly, but there's like a couple moments where you're like, Oh, like he's also like attracted to Ellie. That's gross. Yeah. And like, you can kind of pick up on it if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then and here when he, it's spelled out a lot. Yeah. More. yeah. And like yes. also in the game, I mean, you're playing as her, you feel a lot more vulnerable. You have to fight him off as an attacker and like to have him also be a pedophile, subtly indicated is like it makes the moment much scarier i i didn't love it in the game i thought it was a little much at the time and in the show yeah. i at least was prepared for it and i was like well here we go this is gonna be yeah, what this it's the is. whole thing apologies for recapping this but the thing at the end when they're fighting and he's like i like it when they fight or whatever yeah, i was just like I holy shit i was like okay like I, I already it was hate like this Disney guy. Like, villain levels. Yeah, it like enough. became mm-hmm, funny mm-hmm, at that point. Mm-hmm, I was yes. like, this is corny. I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> that notwithstanding, though, so I think my pacing thing is that I wanted a little longer with him in friend yep. mode because those sequences, friend the sequence mode. where she is has the rifle, you, you know what I mean? He's in friend yeah. mode. He's yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. like, we're cool. You Like, I'm going to give you pills. Bombing. I'm going to help you out. Right, he is with his cult. And uh, of yeah. course, Troy Baker there. I, I liked yeah, seeing it him. Yeah, it was funny. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is fun because Troy, I was thinking he was going to get killed by Pedro Pascal, but even better yeah. to have him get killed by Bella Ramsey. Like having the guy who played Joel get killed by Joel. Um, but anyways, <laughs> during those sequences, it's, it's very tense. You really feel Ellie's vulnerability when she has the rifle. And because she's not as much of a killer as she is in the game, mm-hmm. you just are like, man, like this could go so bad. Like I was so tense during those sequences and I really liked that tension. Yep. And then it just, I wanted a little more time in that zone and mm-hmm. felt like it could have stretched out a little bit more. Um, and just generally, you know, it when it, yeah, when it becomes like, oh my God, we're cannibals. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like it's, it's, I guess it's like the most tawdry and kind of pulpy plot twist that the show takes. And... It, or it felt the most like The Walking Dead. Like it was the most like kind of like, oh man, we're eating meat. But what kind of meat is it? Gross. Look at that meat. And you know, I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't hate all of that. Like, uh, just mostly thought the pacing was a little off. And yeah, I could have done without some of the the pedophilia mm-hmm. stuff. I just feel like it could have had a lighter touch, especially given how mm-hmm. many great changes have been made across the other episodes. That's a good I way just of putting it. Felt like it. this yeah. needed another pass, mm. but it, it's not it right. A little slightly lighter touch. Which this was, I believe, a, a Craig Mason written episode and he's generally had a lighter touch i was kind of surprised that it 
dialed it up there at the end so much. But you know, still, um, still strong. They they end with him calling her baby girl. The the camera pulls in Classic. on the watch. The whole thing, like, you know, you really see it. I really remember. I remember playing um, the game. I think for the first time, or maybe I was replaying the first chapters when Joel is watching her go with Tess, and he like. Tess moves on, and then Joel stands there for a second. He looks down at his watch and then keeps walking. And just being like, wow, like, body language and subtle storytelling in a video game. Like, it was it was a very striking thing at the time to just sort of mm-hmm. underline how the, even at the time, the game felt like a prestige TV show. Okay, okay. so anyways, let's let's get to the end. Let's get into it. Well, so wait, um, let's talk first about Ellie's mom and okay. her death scene, because this... Okay, I was kind of blown away by this edition, and I will say I liked it because something that always bugged me about the game, and especially the cure, was that I was like, I don't understand how this works. How does Ellie's immunity work? They actually come up with an explanation for it that I think is pretty logical, Mm -hmm. and it's a good enough explanation to justify why Ellie would have to die, which Mm -hmm. always was why in 2013, I was like, this is ridiculous. Why do they have to take her brain out? But in this, they really go into it. They're like, no, this is how this works. I've definitely seen like scientists or whatever, like virologists being like, you definitely never would have to kill someone. But like, if you believe (laughs) that, yes. I I mean, they really try to come up with it and make it work insofar as like, okay, so Ellie's mom, they show Ellie still in the womb, but like her mom, who I don't think you have her listed here, but isn't her mom? What's Ashley played, Johnson? It's she's played here. by the person who plays Ellie That's, in the game. Yeah, Ashley Johnson, yeah. who plays well, Ellie, who sounds like Ellie. Like when she reference. starts talking, it's yeah. like, oh mm-hmm. man, it's Ellie. Yeah, she's Anna Williams is her name. Yeah, it makes perfect sense for her to be Ellie's mom. Uh, yeah, so so right after Ellie emerges from the womb, umbilical cord still attached, her mom gets bit. You're like how is this gonna go but we already know ellie makes it so we're like oh does she just get like a little bit of this of the of the zombie juice through the umbilical cord mm-hmm. how does that work and that's enough at least for me my suspension of disbelief to be like okay sure it's part of her brainstem. it isn't somehow controlling her but there's some tiny enough dose that she got that it kind of vaccinated her immunized her against this i can go along with that in ways that the game didn't quite sell me like that ending there's a lot of reasons mm. why it doesn't work for me. We're about to get to it. But this, I thought, helped set it up by being like, this is why Ellie's so different from every other person. She had this extremely bizarre thing happen when she was a little baby, you know? Yeah, I really liked that scene. It was, like you said, it was very fun to see Ashley Johnson, um, who I've mostly seen acting, uh, not voice acting, like being in something. She's in the first Avengers movie. She's the waitress that like Captain America has a couple conversations with during the Battle of New York. So I, I already knew what she looked like. And she does, I guess, look like Ellie as well uh, from mm-hmm. the games. But it was very fun seeing her getting to play Ellie's mom. Um, I don't I'm actually like kind of I don't know that I needed the explanation, though. It, it changes it. It's it's they both work. Uh, uh, the way that the game did it was much more of a just abstract. It turned it into a more of an abstraction. It was just, well, she can do it and we don't know why. Like, she is immune and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just, it was like, well, we're not going to explain why. And at the time, I kind of appreciated it only because video games tend so often in the opposite direction to, like, over-explain things. You'd be like, well, the reason is that, like, the cells in this, it has this, like, special, like, antibody that if we synthesize the antibody, you know, it's the midichlorians thing, where having that completely absent was kind of cool. In this case, 
I guess explaining it is fine, but then it, it raises like more questions that I don't need to be raising. Like, okay, so then I guess should we like be like having pregnant women be getting bit by the zombies? <laughs> like, is there an ethical case for that? Well, no, probably not. So then, like, it starts like it gets even more kind of into the realm of. But isn't that kind of what the finale is designed to do? Is this exact well, set of conversations? Well, no, but the idea is you could create it, you could recreate it in the sh- in the mythos of the show. Because of that, right? So now, right? You know like now that we that. know how it's made, but it's also that like it, it begins raising particular questions, and I actually think that the ending works best on a like raw, emotional, out of focus level. And when you get more focused about it, as we, I guess we can discuss, but you start to look at the particulars of what's going on, and then the more into the particulars you are, the more it feels like, oh, well, this isn't actually the profound ethical conundrum that it appears to be because mm-hmm. you know things like we don't know if it's going to work yeah. ellie was not asked for her consent ex- explicitly she was Which just put the under and they're going to kill her personally. right so like then you're looking at it and like joel is just here in like totally wakes up out of nowhere and then is told that this is the situation well yeah like it's it becomes a lot more understandable even leaving aside the trolley problem ethical right. question because like Marlene and co have behaved unethically up to that point that Joel wakes up where they already haven't communicated with Joel, Ellie, or, you know, any other people about what's really the plan, which is also sad because you get the sense Ellie would have been on board for it. And also if Joel had been told all along, he might've acted differently, but we don't know. Right. So it kind of boils down to a communication issue, but just, sorry, just to close out the thing with, with her mom by introducing that as well, it just adds another one of those kinds of specific wrinkles where you're like, well, then also, why do we have to kill her if maybe there's some other way that we could get more immune people and like keep studying this or like, you know, we, we don't even know how it was made. So it's like complicating that question actually doesn't necessarily, but I I want to hear what Jason thinks. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, go ahead, Jason. Sorry. Well, first of all, it's interesting. Um, the show spends a lot more time focusing on Fedra as fascist than the game does. The game oh, yeah. doesn't really do that that much. And it's interesting that it does that and then presents the Fireflies as the anti-fascist group, but also makes them dicks and terrorists and <laughs> awful people who act in super Why unethical also, ways. Yeah. It's it's very much like the show is like, hey, let's let's do what Bioshock Infinite did in 2013 <laughs> and follow that, right? No, but um, but yeah, I I think that um, the ending is like incredibly well done and still hits just as hard today um, as it did back then, as is obvious by lots of people discussing it and debating it. Um, And I don't actually think it's that interesting to debate. Well, did Joel do the right thing so much as like trying to understand why he did what he did and why it makes so much sense. And I think to your point, Maddie, I think the fact that they acted so unethically is interesting. I think the fact that they, um, they stripped Ellie of her agency and didn't give her any choice in the matter and then Joel did the same is Mm -hmm. another kind of interesting theme here Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I think what is most um at least what resonates most to me and makes me empathize the most with his decision to just become a mass murderer and kill everybody in a (laughs) hospital is that like for the second time in his life, people are trying to take away his daughter without giving him a chance to say goodbye, without giving him any sort of closure or catharsis in the matter. And I think that is really what just kind of sets him off. And that is what's most interesting to see is like um, first his daughter is taken away from him and like she just, goes and mm-hmm. he doesn't get and to say anything. And it's also a misunderstanding, similarly. Yeah. Well, but, but the yeah, point being like, that it's, it's not like, zombies, it's also right. people in power not listening to him. But it's it's not even, it's just like that, that he is able to, he is not able to like 
communicate with her in the final moments and like mm-hmm. say what he wants to say, say goodbye in any sort of way. And I think that like if the Fireflies had handled it ethically and said, look, here's what's going to happen. Let's have a conversation about it. It might have might have been a very different outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's um, an aspect of Pedro Pascal's performance during that final massacre in which the show finally just fully becomes a video game and he's like upgrading his weapons and reloading and he looks... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that whole scene, I mean, that's straight out of the game, like yeah. shot for shot, too. Right, and mm-hmm. he looks dead inside. His eyes are just empty and it's hor- mm-hmm. It's like really chilling, like when he's just killing unarmed people and just sort of he's completely shut off. He's in this other sort of, you can imagine, some sort of emotional fugue state. Yeah, I mean, he's in like a PTSD dissociative state is how I right. would present it. Yeah. And it's how the it's how he presents it in his performance. He, I, don't, I haven't seen whether he talks about that specifically, but it comes across very clearly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he is making this decision that is tragic on so many levels the ones that hit the hardest for me at least are the ones that go outside of the trolley car or the trolley <laughs> the trolley car problem the trolley problem of mm-hmm. like you know are you condemning the world and into the specific tragedy of like you said Jason removing Ellie's agency again and mm-hmm. just and ruining their relationship in a way that well we'll get into the sequel in a second <laughs> but like in a way that certainly plays out and that is clear, clearly going to play out just through that final conversation that they have. And while all those questions are interesting, they're interesting on like an emotional level, a philosophical level, an ethical level, like they're interesting on practical level, all these different levels. What it all comes down to is that final sequence. And this is where I think Bella Ramsey just crushes it. I mean, she was oh, yeah. great throughout this great whole show, scene. but the final scene, Ellie has to do that. And it was remarkable in the game. It's the exact same in the show. It's shot for shot. I mean, pacing everything about that final conversation, the way that he's like too friendly, the way he's openly talking about mm-hmm. Sarah and comparing the, the them. The story doesn't add up. Like she's asking him questions and he yep. doesn't, he suddenly is like, oh, well, there were raiders. Like it, she can tell he's Oh lying. yeah, in the car, it's clear yeah. it was a lie. But then when they're walking and he's yep. like being so friendly and open in a way he never was. And then just that final interaction, the way that she asks him for real, tell me the truth. He straight up lies. She can yep. tell. You can see it on her face. She decides to accept it. And then it just cuts to black. Like, that is an amazing ending. Like, it's an amazing ending for a TV show. It's an amazing ending for a game. Um, I kind of stand by the thing I felt when I first saw it in the game. That, it, like, for something to just end that way and then walk away, like, quit the field and leave it would have been really cool. Um, even though, of course, I I understand why they felt the need to explore the ramifications of all of that. Um, it would have been kind of it's it's neat that at least people who watch the show currently just get to live in the ambiguity of that moment for a while and just like uh, and just feel it. I'm envious of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. mean, I'm sure some of them will look up like Last of Us Part Two. I wonder what happens. But yeah. So let's. All right. So we're going long. I know there's like so much more to talk about, but is, let's talk some. Is there is there a second game? What second game? <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about since we have gone long. So we just have a few minutes here. But let's let's this will be spoilers after this for the last of us part two. So if you haven't played that game and you don't want to know what happens, that's this is all we're really going to talk about from here on out. But um, thanks for being a member and listening to the show. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the last of us part two and how this might translate. Because what I'm interested in is the same thing that was true of the TV show, which is that they could change things, they could mm-hmm. streamline things, they could. I I would be surprised. For example, I think one thing that strikes me anyways when I play this game, which I will say, as much as when we talk about The Last of Us Part Two, usually 
like Jason, you will sometimes say, oh, well, all three of us don't really like that game. I, I gotta say, like, I really admire a lot of things about The Last of Us Part Two. I have very there. mixed and ambivalent feelings about it. Like, there are things I think are incredible. I think its narrative ambitions are remarkable. But when I go back and, I mean, of course, its game design is like out of control. Oh, well, but yeah. when I go back and I play it, I am struck by the darkness and by the feeling that like so many people spend so much time creating a story this bleak and violent and nihilistic in a lot of ways. And in the end, that just eventually kind of wears me down. What I would think that might happen with the show, just because Bella Ramsey as an actress, her energy on screen, though being the same age as Ellie is supposed to be in The Last of Us Part Two, reads as younger, just mm-hmm. has a different energy. I could see them making a version of The Last of Us Part Two where a lot of the big plot developments happen. Certainly, Joel will have to die very early. She'll go on the same the same quest for revenge. But mm-hmm. I could just see it playing differently because of the actor that they're working with. Like, I could see them kind of just making the story feel a little bit differently just in terms of the sort of overall energy of it. Do either of you see that at all? I mean, I, I have the same problem with the scene that I know Jason is thinking of, which is the extent of the closure that they give Ellie and Joel in the game. Like, they right. got to take some of it away because otherwise her motivations just don't make any sense. And I feel like the show has the opportunity to do that rewrite. And I, I really hope they do. There's some other kind of gentler rewrites I would also hope that they did. But... That's a big one. I feel like the fact that Ellie doesn't ever have the chance to come out to Joel, like they show scenes in The Last of Us Part Two where he's assuming that she's dating Jesse, who's Dina's boyfriend at the time, and she clearly is like too shy to tell him. That's a sort of hanging thread that in playing it, I always assumed that, that would be one of the things that she's so upset about missing the opportunity to do. But no, that's resolved. He tells her he loves her and supports her. Like it's like there's so many things that it's like, it's supposed to be a uniting of the themes that Jason was bringing up earlier in this episode, where it's like he never really gets the chance to say goodbye to Sarah. Her life is cut off so tragically short, and he doesn't want that to happen to Ellie, and he wants her to be able to live a full, long life that Sarah didn't get to have, and, like, that's what he's trying to preserve. And, like, to then have Joel die having experienced what appears to be a full, long life that's, like, pretty great in the last 10 years is, like... (laughs) Okay, so why are we so mad then? Like, it's so weird. And then while I'm still talking, let me just say, I've always thought it was like ridiculously, ludicrously corny that the surgeon uh, who operated on Ellie and died also has a daughter who's like the same age as Ellie and she's also mad that her dad died and that like... I don't know. That's just really goofy to me. Like, speaking of coincidences, like, what, how many daughters are there going to be? You know what I'm saying? Like, So I... what they're going to do is, um, <laughs> did you? I don't know if you caught this or, or saw this, that Laura Bailey is one of the nurses in the, this oh, is the sure. actor who played, um, wait, what's her Abby. name? The daughter, Abby, um, is in that room. So maybe it's just going to be the nurse. Goes, she becomes like death nurse but and goes on her event. It's just silly. I don't know. I thought it was silly in the game. I was mm-hmm. like, is this woman, young woman going to turn out to be the daughter of the doctor? And then she is. Yeah, and yeah. I just, it felt so neat, but like not in an interesting way. Yeah. And to, to, well, to really quickly explain the thing you're talking about, just because I think that's a really good point and a change they could make for people who don't remember that one of our biggest complaints, I think all three of us had the same complaint structurally with the story, is the fact that throughout the story, Ellie 
is presented as anguished over not having closure with Joel and having left furious with him after finding out what he did. And mm-hmm. then it's revealed at the end in a final cutscene that actually they fully got closure. They talked it out. It was great. They were going to be great. And so none of her past her past actions don't make the same kind of sense they seem to throughout the story. Just by removing that, you suddenly, like, get a stronger Yeah, story. like, make that a dream. Make that a wish she had. That, sorry, make so that, just like, to explain that yeah, to yeah, people yeah. who don't remember what happened to uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jason. No, that's what I was going to say. Oh, okay. You were going to just <laughs> You don't have any the, other thoughts? You just, did I say them all for you? Because you, I, I know we agree on no, this. No, I, yeah. yeah, that's, well, that's 100% what I agree with, is that the whole, that final section just kind of, like, makes the whole game just seem like a waste of time. <laughs> it's also very long. I mean, they have the chance of this HBO show to cut down a they lot of though, the... They won't, though, because they're going to do seasons. two seasons. Yeah. No, but... No, well, I mean, cut down a lot of the like endless gunning, like gunning down camps, and <laughs> or they can have a through. whole episode where Abby is in the basement of a hospital and she fights a gigantic oh, rat king. I <laughs> right? The, yeah, Which well, I would I'm sure there will be a rat be there king, for but a no. But I mean, one of the reasons it feels so long is because there's so many sequences of just like sneaking around and shooting yeah. people, and yeah. especially towards the end of The Last of Us Part Two. Where you're... I mean, there's two separate moments where you conf- Ellie and Abby confront each other, and you think they're going to slug it out to the death. Like that happens, but then the game doesn't end, and right, there's ten more again. hours, and they go to San Diego to ends, do it again. It ends yeah. with that, and it's like, why? What? Don't. <laughs> oh, Last of Us Part Two. Why did you hurt us? Why'd you do it? Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it's a rough hang, but uh, but they can fix. Yeah, it. I don't know. The performance of Bella Ramsey, I think, can carry. I mean, her energy, yes, but also just like yeah, her her screen presence and just captive. It's captivating watching her. So I think she can she could potentially carry it, even if it makes repeat some of the mistakes of the game. Mm-hmm. And I also yeah. feel like there's opportunities in flashbacks for like Pedro Pascal to be more withholding and like to make it more clear that like their relationship wasn't good when he dies and to feel like there was something unresolved between them and that can now never be fixed. And I don't know. I mean, I actually always thought Abby's storyline was the stronger of the two. So I don't really have yeah. many notes there. I feel like that's just a matter of them casting somebody pretty good as Abby and I guess also Lev I think is the name of the boy that she mm-hmm. hangs with so yeah I'm curious who, who they're gonna cast and how it's gonna go but I I'm also not excited to watch it so <laughs> we'll see. yeah I, I, I am I am I fully I mean, am. I'm curious. I, I am so I'm that'll so get the better of me curious <laughs> man people should listen because we can't go too much longer but people should I listen know. to our Beans cast on The Last of Us Part 2 if they want to hear our thoughts on that game and potentially extrapolate what uh, Season 2 and 3 and so on could look like in the show. But one thing that I hope they find a way to address in a smart way is the question we all had of like, hey, this is kind of this major territory fight over the city um, between these two big factions and it's just like this endless cycle of bloodshed but like there's no reason either of them have to stay in Seattle because because there's an yeah. entire country full of abandoned <laughs> cities no. and places, and like you can and set up shop anywhere. And the last of us, anywhere. there aren't that many of us, is what I keep no. hearing. No, there's and it's cars supposed to be not too many. Cars. It's it's supposed to be this big allegory for Israel and Palestine, but like it doesn't work because that is very 
specifically a place where there's nowhere else to go and there's all this kind of ancestral ties to this to this piece of land whereas in seattle it's just like oh yeah we could just go down the street we could go to (laughs) we could go to portland and just hang out there we just go somewhere else (laughs) not not to just totally rehash our complaints about the last of us part two but it will be interesting to see how they handle that because again something that they could maybe Make some changes too. Yeah, I just hope it's something because they could. Both of them are going to be really into coffee, and they're just going to be like Seattle's like, best, look. Starbucks. These yeah. are the factions. It's like the we're Starbucks like it. mother load of coffee beans that are already roasted, and they're like, "Look, yeah, we're just going to sit on this." Yeah, yeah, we need yeah. them every Love morning. It. All right, well, this is a lot of fun to talk about. Um, we just we live in a world that is gaga for The Last of Us. Somehow that happened, and it's here we are. It's pretty wild. It's um, pretty it wild. is pretty wild. Uh, video games, they're not just for kids. So anyways, <laughs> th- uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you all so much for being Maximum Fun members. Happy Max Fun Drive, if you're listening to this the day that it came out. Um, we, we really appreciate joining. you joining Thanks for joining. If you're a brand new member, yes. enjoy the archives. And thank yeah, you Yeah, so there's much. a lot. There's a lot of, of Beans cast back there, including one on The Last of Us Part 2, as that's we uh, alluded to. But yeah, that's it. We've gone long. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, Maddie and Jason, I will see you both next time. See ya. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you're listening to this bonus episode, it means you're already a member, so thank you. We really appreciate your support. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.